This is episode 53 of Parenting 2.0, The Focused Mindset. Today, I'm going to answer a question from a parent that came to me asking how she might help her son deal with the anxiety that he faces when he thinks about going back to school this next week. But first, thank you for listening. I'm so glad you're here with me right here, right now, because I know you have lots of different choices of podcasts, and I thank you for choosing to be here. Take a minute to go ahead and subscribe and download, and that way you won't miss any of the family-oriented content that I put out each and every week just for you. And as you're listening, this is the type of subject that oh, it might just ring true to you and you might have someone pop in your mind that you think could also benefit from a message such as this. Feel free to share this. And you share an episode simply by hitting the share button, copying the link and sending it where you'd like. We're in this together and we want to help each other through these hard times. And one way is by sharing important information when you hear it. And you can learn more by visiting my website at thefocusedmindset.com. Now let's get into this episode. You've been upgraded to Parenting 2.0. New expectations requires a new mindset. The Focused Mindset. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. Raising kids is an amazing journey and things don't always turn out as planned. Still, you get to share your life with an adult in training. This podcast will help you meet every new challenge with confidence and be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love. Today, I'm going to answer a question that was asked to me by a parent named Sandra. She is the parent of a high schooler, and she asked me, what can I do to help my son get over his anxiety about going back to school, especially since he already had anxiety before the pandemic? At this point, he seems to be going overboard at making sure things are clean and going over things over and over again in his mind to make sure that everything goes well. And I don't know exactly how to help him move forward. Thank you so much, Sandra, for that question. And I knew right away that this is a perfect question to bring up on the podcast because I know that a lot of you are dealing with anxiety with your children. I mean, frankly, you may be dealing with anxiety for yourself as well. It's important for us to find strategies of how to deal with stress and anxiety, no matter what you're doing in your walk of life right now. It doesn't matter if you're listening to this now in the future, if your children are already back in school. Um, it's different all over the place right now. But one thing is for sure, that anxiety is going to creep up in your child's life. What's more is that some of the things that your child has dealt with about anxiety, sometimes they bury it and they don't think about it. And then it pops up at a most unusual time when you don't even expect it. So it's important that we prepare to deal with anxiety, even if we're not exactly seeing it in our child right now. We need to know the signs of anxiety and we need to have some strategies. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And throughout my time working with Sandra, I realized that 
this could be something that can help a lot of people. So I asked her, I said, can I share a little bit about your journey and where you're headed with helping your son? And she said, absolutely. So that's the story we're going to talk about today, as well as share some strategies. And Sandra came to me and she knew. She knows her son better than anybody, and she knew that he was going through it. It wasn't so much because of everything he was saying, although he was expressing that he was nervous about going back to school, but it was also what he was doing. She noticed his behaviors, and she had seen it before. The behaviors started to be a little compulsive. They started doing things over and over to be able to make sure that everything goes well. She even gave me an example of how much hand sanitizer he would use and then deny it and be like, well, no, I didn't really use that much. And this is very common. If you are thinking, you know what? This sounds like my child. This sounds like the things that I see my child go through. Yes. It's because many times our child really doesn't know exactly how to voice what they're going through. They don't know exactly what to say, but they're feeling that anxiousness within their body. They feel worry, a little bit of dread, a little bit of fear of the unknown, and it comes out in their actions sometimes more than their words even. And when we discussed this, uh, it, it was just evident to me that Sandra cared so much about her son's well-being. But her first thought was to go straight to, how can I fix it? That's my first thought as a parent, too. Even when I try and deny it, I want to be able to fix things in my child's life if I can. But then I step back and I remember. I remember that being solution-focused means that I look at my child as the expert I look at my child as knowing so much more than they even realize about what they need to solve their problems. Now, if you think about it, when a child is doing something over and over again, and they're kind of stuck in a loop of thinking, oh, this is going to fix it. It's kind of their mind's way of trying to fix it, trying to solve the problem. So the first step that you can do to help your child when they're dealing with anxiety in this type of way is commit to being there for them, but commit to helping them find the answer for themselves. You can lead them along the way. You're leading them on the path, but they're the ones that are choosing the direction to head and kind of like deciding what step they're going to take forward. And you're just there to make sure that they don't completely go off the rails. And that's the approach that you can take, not only in a situation that's huge, but even the smallest of situations. You might be someone who notices a behavior in your child that, uh, that shows that they're trying to take control in their own type of way, But if they're doing the same thing over and over and over again, sometimes you can stop and just help them recognize that they're doing it. Notice it. I notice that you're, and then fill it in the blanks, not in a judgmental way, not in a condescending way, but just bring it to their attention. 
And sometimes a child might be a little embarrassed or flustered depending on their age when you bring up something that they're, they're doing that might be a little out of the ordinary to solve some stress in their life. But just come to them with, in a kind manner. Come to them in a gentle manner, in a manner that you would want people to come to you if you were struggling. And that really is the first step to helping, is stepping into their shoes, how they might be feeling about something, rather than jumping straight towards talking to them about what might be wrong, right, uh, or the right way to do it. I mean, what really is the right way to do it? There's no exact right way. There is one way that's right for your child, and that's the way that they carve out themselves because they can take ownership of that. So when we look at the question of how to walk forward into the unknown, this particular unknown is the unknown of going to school. You see, here in California, in this present moment, we are getting ready to go back to school. Now, even if you're listening in the future or in, in your uh, area, it's different as you can well imagine, there are some nerves that are very high considering for us, we've been out for a year. And the elementary school just went back a couple of weeks ago. And of course, it looks very, very different though. We're in a hybrid model where the kids go half a day. And now we're walking into the junior high and the high schoolers starting next week. And of course, there's a lot of people that are very excited and they've been waiting for this day and they're very talkative about it. But then there's some other people that are apprehensive, worried, and nervous. And it's important that we have a, give those people a voice as well. I noticed that on my campus, uh, people, maybe they were slightly overcompensating, but a couple of weeks back when we were about to open, the people that were excited were pretty loud about that. Oh, we're just so excited. We can't wait. And I get that. But it kind of left no room for those that were still going through worry to be able to have a voice. So let's leave that open. Let's leave the opportunity for conversation and empowerment through listening to be able to be available to those people that are feeling a little nervous. They're probably feeling as though, well, gee, if everyone's so excited about getting back to normal and here I am, I'm not feeling that same way. What's wrong with me? Maybe I need to just be quiet and figure this out on my own. Or maybe there's something severely wrong that I can't snap out of it. Talking about it is going to be healing. And you know that. But I think that this is just such a unprecedented times that we might get mixed up and forget that and think that we just need to um, push our way through it and cheerlead everybody along the way. But it's okay to stop and give space to listen. You know, I'm going to go back to the importance of listening. We talked about it a couple of weeks back, but how much more important in this circumstance? So for us, this circumstance is going back to school when so much time has gone by. So what might we ask our kids about that? Or what might we just say in order to open them up to share how they really feel without uh, putting up a wall or saying what they think that we want to hear? 
Think about that and find the space to allow your child to talk about how they really feel without judgment, without trying to come up with all of the answers for them or saying, yeah, but maybe you need to look at it this way. Just simply being there, being there with an open heart, with, uh, open ears and open eyes to listen to their verbal and nonverbal communication that they're giving you about how they feel about that situation. I see so many kids that need that space and they need that space from their family. So when you have a moment, listen. I know that my daughter needed that recently and It was very eye-opening for me to really hear where she was at and what's going on with her. She too was one of those kids that kind of just was acting like it was no big deal and, oh, well, I just don't know about this or that. But really, she had a lot of concerns. Some of the concerns that kids have right now are, what if it all comes back? What if all of this happens again? What if we get all geared up? And we go back to school and everything's clicking along and then bam, it all comes back and we're locked again. They don't know how they would handle something like that. It's almost like they don't want to get their hopes up or uh, they don't want to be fully invested because it could all shut down again. That's, That's fear within them that comes from exactly the situation that they've been through. It's not like they're making it up. They were the ones that went through everything shutting down. And they did have to have their year abruptly, uh, uh, have the abrupt halt to what seemed like probably a perfect year to them last year. So we can allow for that space because that is a legit fear. Now, I'm sure that we wish that we had all the answers, but just listening to them be able to get that out is sometimes the very best thing you can do. So it starts with listening. It starts with hearing. It starts with allowing your child to be able to really voice how they're feeling. And then comes some of the strategies. And like I mentioned before, the strategies have a lot to do with allowing your child to really take ownership of the situation. Let's revisit the question from Sandra. She's asking, how can I help my child move back into school when he's dealing with all of this anxiety? And as a matter of fact, he already dealt with anxiety before. Now, I know and you know that we wish as humans that we could control every single situation. We can't, but we want to. So what I kind of like threw out to Sandra to give a shot at was to look for ways that she could help her son take control of this. Not ways that she could solve it, but ways that he could solve it. And just with everything in her, give that to her son of, of putting it back in his hands, not in a way that's like, oh man, it's heavy, but in a way that it's empowering. So Sandra was committed to that. And she decided that yes, she was going to go back and offer her son the type of support that would allow him to come up with what he could do to make things better. 
And a few days went by and I wasn't, I didn't, wasn't able to talk to Sandra about how it was going. And pretty soon I asked her, when I saw her the next time, I said, look, how are things going with your son? And her face lit up and she said, you know, I think we're on a good track. She said that she did, as a matter of fact, ask him some ways that he might be able to solve the problem. And he came up with some ways. You know, one of the things that they had done in their family was they had found some, uh, some, I guess, uh, disinfectant type wipes that they could have and he can take with him to school. So when she offered this to her son, she asked, well, how many do you think you might want to take with you? Because one of the things that he had been doing to be able to compensate for the uh, fear of the germs and such is using just so much hand sanitizer just to get it, get all the germs away. That's what our mind tells us. Just get it away. And, you know, he thought about it and he thought, you know, I could bring two. I think it was two or three. And I think both Sandra and I thought maybe he was going to bring two full pockets full of them, but two or three was what he came up with. Isn't that interesting that it kind of shows what I said is that when we put it on our child and they really think about it and they think about what they might need, it might be a lot more reasonable than what we thought based on their actions because why they're sorting it out in their mind and they're thinking about what they need during the day and then they come up with something that's reasonable to them. But you know, the family didn't stop there. They uh, were having preparations happen by their school and their school was offering, uh, you know, like a parent information type night over Zoom um, for all the parents to log in and see what's going on at the school. And you know what? She had her son sit there with her. She certainly didn't have to, but it allowed him to be able to listen to the whole experience and take it in from his point of view rather than hearing it from his mom. And lo and behold, the things that he heard and the things that were important to him were totally different than what was important to, uh, to Sandra. So it, it really shows that our children do know what they need. It's our job to empower them to be able to allow themselves to f- be free enough to look for those things they need and then help them to be able to accomplish that. Um, it's, it's about real leadership. You know, real le- leadership is empowering the others around you. It's not powering over them. I've used this analogy before, but all of us have had different bosses at work. We've always had uh, someone that's telling us what to do, right? But all of us have had leaders that lead in a way that empowers us. And, and we've all unfortunately probably had a boss that just powers over us. And if you think about it, you know how it feels. I mean, when you have a boss that's powering over you, are you really motivated to work? Are you really motivated to do what you need to do? Or are you kind of like thinking, oh, fine, all right, fine, I'll do what he, they say. And it's just, it's not empowering at all. But when you have one of those leaders that are able to motivate you and empower you and they say, well, what do you think? That's great. What a wonderful idea. I know you got this. And little things like that, that some bosses can say, they don't feel so much of a boss, do they? They're not bossy. <laughs> they feel more like 
they're empowering you. And that's what a leader does. Can we be a leader to our kids? Can we be a true leader? If we are, then we're empowering them to be able to do the things they need to do. Now, Sandra watched her son be empowered. And that's why she was excited to share those results with me. And I know that she's going to continue to do that. And I know that they're going to walk forward into these next weeks with a different level of, uh, of, I don't know, just, I think calm overall. It's like there's the frantic feeling has began to melt away. So in whatever situation you're facing right now, where you see the little seeds of anxiety popping up in your child, or maybe there's something you've been facing that's been there for quite a long while. Can you step back? Can you look at it with brand new solution focused eyes and think, how can I empower my child to be able to take control of this in their life? When you do, you're going to be truly teaching them to solve this problem because it's going to come up. It's going to come up in different arenas. When you're not around, uh, they need to be able to have that skill. They need to be able to learn that skill and have it wherever they go, right? And into their adulthood. So, So now is the time for you to really look at the things that your children go through. First, choose to listen and find ways for them to have space to talk to you. And when they do have that space, listen. You know, it might be that they are in a frantic time and they're just, they start to babble about their problem. I encourage you to stop. Stop right there, even if they're a little bit frantic as they're sharing and let them share. Let them get it out. Let them fully and completely vent about that situation if you end up in that situation with your child. And then, and then you can just say, I'm here for you. I hear you. So much more compassion doing it that way than than some other type of form where the anxiety gets higher and higher. Trust me, I've done both ways as a parent. I've fallen into that trap, uh, that parenting trap of being like, oh, we need to fix this right now. And it never ends well. It never helps my child feel empowered and it never gets the results that I want. And when that bad habit creeps up, I just go, oh, once again, (laughs) we're not perfect, but I'm going to regroup and I'm going to do this right. You can go back to your child and say, you know, I heard you when you were trying to express yourself the other day. And I was a little bit in a frantic place too. And I may not have really listened to you as much as I needed to. Can we step back into that? And why don't you tell me again what you've been going through? Give it another shot. Your child will give you grace. They do want to be heard. And as a matter of fact, they might really appreciate the fact that you did see that they needed to talk. There's always a way for us to step into being our best self as a parent. And many times it's just recognizing when we went a little off track and then stepping back and being a better listener. 
Now, I had mentioned to you that uh, this question when Sandra came up to me rang really true to me because I have a child in seventh grade who had their sixth grade year very interrupted, and I'm going through something very similar right now with her being able to walk into school and feel confident. And we were walking through a parking lot, and all of a sudden, that was when it came out for my daughter. And she just said, I'm worried, I'm concerned, I'm nervous. And saying all those things and just getting them out, I think was a huge release from her. You know, it just kind of released it into the universe. I know, not only because it is uh, scientifically proven how important it is for people to be heard and the difference between when they're heard and when they feel stifled, but also from personal experience. That when you as a parent choose to listen to a child that's anxious, it's going to make a difference. And then when you choose to say, how can they take ownership of this? How might they find a way to control this? That doesn't entail doing the same thing over and over again, washing their hands until they're raw. In your circumstance, it could be something completely different. You know, kids sometimes hoard food or they just do some different odd things. If we focus on that different odd thing and get them in trouble for it, well, we never really got to the root of the problem. The only thing we taught is that they should cover up the things that are different. They should cover up and hide it from us so they don't get in trouble. So, Look for the reason a child might be doing that and help them with that next level help rather than just uh, talking to them about the very action that they're doing that might be covering up some fear, some anxiety, some type of thing. Now, granted, there's a lot of different reasons why kids might do these type of actions. So I'm not saying all of them are rooted in some type of fear and anxiety, But given our circumstances, many times they are. Many times a child might have a season that they went through, like spring of 2020, and then they're going to relive that in a different type of way uh, at a different time. Maybe every springtime, right around this time of the year, they're going to slightly have a level of anxiety because we have memory in our mind, or maybe when the weather is very similar or, or something uh, hits them and all of a sudden that anxiety rushes back with them. Let's be sensitive. These type of things are going to happen. And like I mentioned before, sometimes it's you that is going to have these same type of things. You need to be kind to yourself and you need to give yourself that same type of graciousness that I'm saying we should give our children as well. Find people around you that can listen to you when you need to vent. Find people that will empower you and be able to help you to be able to move forward in a way that uh, is helpful and not harmful. So that is my message for today. When we're talking about anxiety, it seems like there's just many different ways to face this subject. But today, I hope that you're able to listen to the people around you, help them feel heard, and then help them be empowered. And speaking of feeling empowered, I have my brand new mini course, Conversations That Empower, on sale on my website right now. If you go to thefocusedmindset.com, 
visit the products page and you'll see it right there. Now you can always check the show notes because I put all kinds of helpful links in the show notes, including the link to the Big Life Journal. The Big Life Journal has absolutely amazing products for your kids to learn resilience, for them to learn to be empowered, ongoing tools that they're going to take with them everywhere. So take a look at the link in my show notes. When you use that link, then you are able to help the focused mindset to thrive and grow because they're my affiliate affiliate partner. And I'm so happy to partner up with them. And when you visit my products, you're going to see conversations that empower. That very booklet is going to empower you as a parent to be able to have these conversations with your kids so you can make sure that you guys are all on point with that important piece. And with that, it's almost time for me to sign off. Let's give today the best chance to be the very best day of your life. Walk forward in confidence. Walk forward in peace. Let's just take a deep breath and take in what this day has to offer. And then go out in confidence. And until next time, keep in touch and take care. 